Deconstruction and deconversion, are they the same thing? Are they different? Does it matter? And what implications does this have on your ministry when deconstruction from faith or deconstruction from evangelicalism has been all the rage for the last few years? This is something that as pastors and as church leaders, we must be paying attention to and we must be able to speak intelligently about it. And so I want to bring up an article that was in response to something that Matt Chandler said about deconstruction, and we're going to talk about it and see what lessons we can learn. I think what we're seeing in evangelicalism, especially among young people right now, is something that is going to have implications for generations to come. So we would do well to pay close attention. My name is Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. This is episode 49. Thank you so much for being here today. I am so thankful that you decided to take some time out of your day to either watch here on YouTube or listen on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Be sure to head over to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. You can grab my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. This is a three-week process, a three-step process over three weeks that will help you create and deliver a compelling message. And so whether you've been preaching for a long time or you're brand new to preaching and you're trying to figure out how to do it, there's something in there for you, and it's my gift to you. It's totally free. PreachingDonkey.com slash 21 days. Go pick that up. And if you haven't grabbed one of my books yet on preaching, you can grab those at PreachingDonkey.com slash books. I've got two. One is called Preaching Killer Sermons, and the other is called Become a Preaching Ninja. I think you'll find some things in there that are really helpful. Become a Preaching Ninja is the newer one, but Preaching Killer Sermons is the one that has sold way more and has had such incredible reviews and a lot of people that have read it and have benefited from it. I think they're both great books, but Preaching Killer Sermons seems to really have resonated with people, but either one, I think is going to benefit you if you're looking to do a deep dive into some how to preach content that is centered on how to communicate. That's what we're all about here at Preaching Donkey. But occasionally we dive into something that is a little more church leadership related, a little more pastor related, and that is today. Now this is from Relevant Magazine. By the way, I want to mention this because I had somebody criticize me a few weeks ago for citing a Christianity Today article because they don't like the agenda that Christianity Today has. I've had people criticize me for using relevant. All I'm doing is looking at who has broke a story or who has covered a story and reading through what they've talked about and giving my two cents, my commentary, what we can glean from it. Now, Every single publication, whether it's Christianity Today, Relevant, Religion News Service, Christian Post, they're all going to have some kind of editorial position, and that's fine. They can have that position. My reading them is not a endorsement or a non-endorsement of their position. I, frankly, I don't really care what their position is. I'm just reading the words on the screen, and we're talking about it. So if that is something that we can all understand and agree to. This will be a much better process. And I, I know I'm only responding to one person's comment, but I've, I've heard it a few times over the years. And it, it kind of bothered me a couple weeks ago because the person just said, if you can read Christianity Today, then you're, uh, he listed off all these terrible things. And I just thought, gosh, how, how small does your 
bubble have to be where you can't even look at, you can't even read, can't even discuss a publication's article because you've decided that their position is somehow off from yours, whatever. Anyway, not my thing, don't understand it, but uh, hopefully you, if you're watching or listening, you'll be able to, to read through this with me without all of those preconceived dismissals. Sound good? All right. Reminder, deconstruction does not mean deconversion. Over the weekend, a clip of, and let me see when this, this was December 6th, so this was a few weeks ago, but uh, when this was put out, over the weekend, a clip of a sermon from Village Church Pastor Matt Chandler went viral in which he offers a take on deconstruction that illustrates how far off the rails the conversation around this buzzy word has gotten. You and I are in an age where deconstruction and the turning away from leaving the faith has become some sort of sexy thing to do, he says. I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus, actually, that that's really impossible to, to deconstruct from. So she shows the TikTok video and she says that this is a person, Ian McLeod, that had posted this on Twitter and said, respectfully, Matt, this ain't it. So let's hear Matt say it from his own mouth. Who and I? are in a day and age where deconstruction and the turning away from and leaving the faith has become some sort of sexy thing to do. I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, actually, that that's really impossible to deconstruct from. But if all you ever understand Christianity to be is a moral code, then I totally get it. So that's what he said. And I think the hang up that she has is his use of the word deconstruction to actually describe deconversion. We'll get into that in a second, but I just want to go on the merits of what he just said. Most of what's happening when people are leaving the faith, it's because in his words, they've been given a moral code. Here's the list of things that you do. Here's the list of things that you don't do. And that's been devoid of the basic principle of redemption in Christ, that Jesus, that God sent his son, Jesus, to, to live the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life, to die in our place for our sins, so that in him we would have life and we would have eternal life. When that message is replaced with, there's a God who will like you better if you behave, and here's the list of things that we require, that is a moral code that people reject. I think this person who's writing this article is uh, Tyler Huckabee. He is going to kind of drill down on the difference between the words deconstruction and deconversion. And if he had replaced what he was saying with deconversion, then it probably would have been more accurate. But I think the first lesson here, just from what Matt Chandler said, is that when we preach and when we preach the gospel, if we're preaching a gospel that says, here's what it looks like to be a Christian, and that is devoid of what the scriptures actually teach, and we've just filled it in with what we believe people should do, be, think, uh, stand for, then that is eventually not going to be enough to sustain someone through evangelicalism becoming as unpopular as, as it has become. If you think about it, for a long time, Christianity in America was cultural. People were just Christian because they weren't not Christian. They were Christian because they weren't something else. Well, those days are long gone, and so it's much easier now not to be a Christian. In fact, it's getting 
hard to claim that you are an evangelical because there's so much attached to that word. And so it's become easy for people to walk away from it. And so his contention that I believe he's making, and I fully agree with it, is that if someone has only and always just been given a behavioral code and we slap a label onto it, then they're ditching the code and ditching the label with it. But if someone has truly experienced their life being completely altered and changed and renewed by Jesus, that's an entirely and decidedly different thing. Now, this isn't to say that someone can have a true conversion experience and truly meet Jesus and then later on down the road go through a time where they may be rejecting that. I think the Lord is still going to continue to call him to themselves because if the, the Spirit of God is in you, he's in you. But what he's saying is not untrue. But I think this person is getting hung up on this idea of the word deconstruction and deconversion. And this is the kind of second half of the conversation that we need to have, which is as pastors, as church leaders, we need to understand exactly what people are saying and why they're saying it the way they're saying it so that we can know where to meet them in order to not bring them back to evangelicalism. That's not the goal, but to bring them back to Jesus. He says, Ch uh, Chandler is arguing for a Calvinist principle that teaches that true Christians can never really walk away from the faith because their salvation is dependent on God and not them. He says, quote, once saved, always saved. That's standard evangelical theology. But in doing so, he is invoking deconstruction as a synonym for leaving Christianity altogether. That's a misunderstanding of the word. So here we get into the kind of second half of this, where he's saying when people talk about deconstruction, they're not necessarily talking about leaving Christianity. In Chandler's defense, the definition of the word deconstruction has evolved a good deal over the last 50 years or so. It originated with a French philosopher who coined the term as a criticism of Platonism. But in more recent years, the word has become popularized by theologians like Father Richard Rohr to refer to a cultivation of religious belief. Rohr argues that most Christians begin their faith journey with construction, deciding what they believe, usually by hearing it from others, and then later on enter a phase of deconstruction or rethinking some of their original beliefs. Anything can ignite a deconstruction process. Sometimes it's spurred by internal doubts and tensions. Sometimes it's an external event like spiritual abuse or a church leader scandal and kick off a deconstruction process. Under that definition, I have gone through a deconstruction in my faith journey. When I first, when I was a kid, I was raised in a very legalistic, very structured uh type of church called the Independent Fundamental Baptist. I have, In fact, I have a whole interview that I did about this on a podcast that's all about exposing the abuse within that movement. Well, the faith that was handed to me in that church, in those churches when I was growing up, when I was a very young child, I no longer have that faith. Like They would not recognize me because all of their rules that make them a distinct movement, I no longer follow. And so there has been some deconstruction that I've gone through, so I totally get what they're saying. They're saying you can deconstruct from some of the elements of what you've been taught without completely walking away from the faith altogether. This deconstruction phase can be very scary and lonely, and it can look like a lot of different things. Sometimes it leads to big theological shifts like deconversion or the dark night of the soul. Sometimes it leads to smaller, more nuanced rethinkings of certain cultural or theological teachings. So he says it can go all the way from you just make a, a little 
little change, little change here or there, or a total deconversion. In other words, you no longer are a part of Christianity. You no longer consider yourself a Christian. Oftentimes, people going through deconstruction meet a lot of resistance from their faith communities who discourage them from asking questions and bring a shape up or ship out energy to the proceedings. This really raises the stakes of the persons deconstructing who are now not only asking big questions about their belief system, but they feel like they'll be kicked out if they reach a conclusion their community doesn't like. I think this is a big, big deal that we have to acknowledge and understand that people are going to ask questions, especially when they've got access to the internet, right? They've got access to everybody's ideas, and that's a good thing. One of the things that Tim Keller says in his book, The Reason for God. He says that a faith without doubts is like a body without antibodies. You, you, you're, you're going along and everything's just fine, but one little thing, one little just kind of question can trip you up. So your faith, to strengthen it, you must ask questions of it. You must be willing to lean into doubt and go through the process of figuring out fairly and accurately, why do I believe what I believe? And what exactly do I believe? And does it stack up? And does it make sense? And there is plenty of resources and material out there to help people navigate through these. The problem is if this is if this is true that oftentimes people going through deconstruction meet a lot of resistance from their faith communities and I believe that probably is very true in a lot of cases discourage them who discourage them from asking questions. That is not okay. Here's here's the first thing we have to realize. If there are people still in your church willing to stay in there and continue asking questions. Do not discourage the questions. Invite the questions. Encourage the questions. Show that you are not afraid. Does that mean you have to have all the answers? You have to know exactly what the answer is? Not necessarily. You might have some of the same questions, but being a place where people can fairly and honestly ask questions in good faith, saying, hey, I don't know if if I believe this or why I believe this or what backs this up, that is a great thing because two things are going to happen. Either they're going to they're going to struggle through it and find some answers and it's going to strengthen their faith or by asking the questions, they're going to realize that their faith was not based on any decision that they've made. It's just cultural or traditional or it's handed down to them from their family. So it's not a real faith anyway, and they'll walk away from it. And even though it's a tragedy for someone to walk away from the faith, at least you've got an honest situation where you can begin to pray for that person, reach out to them, and maybe they can journey back to the faith. But if that process never happens or it's stilted, then what happens is you just have people sitting in churches for decades that don't really believe, they're not really convinced, they don't really buy into it, but they're still there because that's the cultural thing to do. That's dead and that's a good thing. We need to be honest about where we are, even if it means fewer people in the pews. He goes on, but deconstruction can also be a very positive process done alongside the Holy Spirit and with the loving encouragement of trusted friends. In fact, deconstruction usually leads to reconstruction in which you rebuild what you've torn down. Maybe it looks very different than it used to. Maybe it looks pretty similar. The important thing to remember is that it's a natural process that many people go through at some point. Between 43 and 44% of people undergo some sort of faith transition in their life, according to sociologists. And 
And that transition is hard enough without hand-wringing and shaming those accusing them of walking away from the faith. Chandler obviously doesn't intend anything devious by what he said. Over the last few years, as deconstruction has filtered into mainstream discourse, its nuances have been stripped away. Many people now just use deconstruction to refer to deconversion. That's not Chandler's fault, but his talking about deconstruction as if it's only something people who've never known the grace of Jesus can do is bound to ostracize people going through this process. I think that's a fair point. I think it's a really good point that there are people who have experienced the faith and grace of Jesus and they are deconstructing from some element of their faith, but they are not deconverting. To call that deconversion can be be very ostracizing, and it pushes away instead of engaging. And I think this is the biggest point I'm trying to make, that as pastors, the less we can push people away and say, you're out, and the more we can engage people and invite the conversation, even though it's messy and it's tough and we don't know all the answers and it's uncomfortable, that's the better way to do it. Because how how awful would it be if somebody was going through a deconstruction and we push them into deconversion because we don't give them the chance to to work out any of these questions in a place where they can find answers. We just say, no, go find your answer somewhere else because you're gone, you're done. Then the deconstruction turns into deconversion and we've lost someone. If you've ever done any sort of deconstruction, you might be aware that no matter how it may look to observers, you're actually working very hard to hold on to your faith. This is something that I think is really important for us to understand. I think there's a flippancy with how we can talk about this sometimes because it offends us, right? You see some prominent person let go of their faith and there's this sense of like, well, how dare they, right? Uh, they're, they're no longer with us. And I think it's important to look at it and say, that person probably had to go through years of figuring out what they believe and why they believe it and then they walked away after a lot of thought. Doesn't make it good, doesn't mean I like it, it's just something that as pastors we need to understand and keep in mind. It's isolating, painful, and sometimes downright horrible. The best thing anyone can offer someone who's questioning, asking questions about their spiritual beliefs is a friendly ear, and if they need it, a shoulder to cry on. If we can normalize talking about your doubts, seeking answers to your questions, and even changing your mind about certain beliefs in the church, then maybe we won't be scared about deconstructing being the quote, sexy thing to do. So there's a lot there for us, but the biggest thing that I want to draw out of this for us is two things. Number one, don't be afraid of questions. People who are deconstructing are not necessarily going to deconvert. It just might be a matter of the fact that they need to make this faith their own. So when they ask questions and when they express doubts, invite that. Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, but it's something that we can engage. And then the second thing is I think it's really important to know what these terms mean and what people mean when they say these terms. So if deconstruction is different than deconversion, and we can learn that and we can add that to the way that we engage in these situations. I think that makes us wiser. I think that makes us more adept. And I think that I think it gives us the ability to have more credibility with the people that we are helping through these process if they'll let us do that. That's it for today. My name's Lane. This is Preaching Donkey. I would love to hear what you think down in the comments if you're watching here on YouTube or if you're listening on one of the different podcast players, be sure to leave us a review and I will see you in the next episode real soon.